You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Hope everybody is having a great Afternoon as you're joining us on the line from 2 to 4 p.m. Right here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Lance, how are you doing today, my man? Fantastic. How are you doing, Noah? Doing good. Spirits are high in the studio. Auburn baseball getting a much-needed win yesterday over Georgia Tech. Huge win for the Tigers, 7-3 over the Yellow Jackets, who were ranked in the top 25. i got to give my man Sting some props when very few people would believe Agent Sting, intern Sting, was saying this is one that Auburn could pull off and maybe it's a momentum, maybe it's a momentum changing win. We had Jacob Hillman of WGL 91.1 FM on with us yesterday to talk some baseball and he felt like yesterday was a pivotal game in the season. You win that one with the schedule getting considerably lighter for Auburn baseball, you felt like that maybe Auburn could turn it around, especially if they have a great weekend against their rival, which made me think, and I hadn't really thought about this series yet, but beating your rival, taking two out of three, or possibly even sweeping Alabama this weekend, that's some good medicine. Yeah, yeah. just looking ever since the first game against Arkansas, like for, we, we talked about this, and I, I've said this over and over on this show, but like every game from here on out turns from it was like oh that's a definitely a losable game to well that's a winnable game we should be looking at it from that perspective every single game from here on out is winnable because as you mentioned the schedule does get lighter and the 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 the, the two teams that auburn has struggled with as of late were ranked in the top 5 at the time it's like uh, alabama is definitely a beatable team uh, I, I can definitely see some sweet potential, if, especially if Auburn comes into this game feeling hot, especially now that they've gone on the road and beaten a, a top 20 team in Georgia Tech. Auburn players as well meeting with the media today, Auburn football players, that is. You got some defensive backs out there speaking with the media as well as offensive linemen. We'll talk about that a bit as well. We'll also get you primed up for our A-Day depth chart series that we'll be doing tomorrow talking about the safeties we'll break that position down in addition to that I haven't gotten to talk to Lance yet about the big win for Auburn basketball late Monday afternoon 5 p.m was around when was around the time when Walker Kessler broke the news that he would become an Auburn Tiger we will dive deeper into how that changes the Auburn basketball roster on today's show also I'm not sure if you guys saw this some more NFL free agency news not that long before the show went on the air Jadavian Clowney now a Cleveland Brown I'm loving that of course due to me being a Browns fan obviously we won't we won't spend too much time on that as well but the Braves also another topic of conversation today we got a lot for you lance also put up a graphic today of espn's preseason fbi top 10 that's not the fbi top 10 that's the fpi top 10 but i kind of feel like it could be the fbi top 10 because there's some teams on here that i would say uh, are not most wanted are suspicious for sure right. 
looking at you, Mississippi State. Also, Iowa State. What, what were they, like, as high as fourth? They are fourth. What is going on? I don't understand. <laughs> what is going on? So we've got a lot to cover here on today's show on On the Line. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls here on On the Line, 334-321-1390. That'll be what will get you through to On the Line. Also, airing on Facebook on our Facebook live stream on Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and ESPN 106.7. That's how you can watch the show. If uh, if you're away from a radio and you're still wanting to keep up, Facebook's the way to go. We'll have that every day, once again, from 2 to 4. And you can go and watch the shows on demand. So that's another effective way to, I guess, access the podcast. You can also still access the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, so, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Well, Lance, let's get into it, my man. Talking about the Auburn depth chart series that we're doing, the 8A depth chart series. We'll be continuing it tomorrow with the safety positions where we'll be giving you our two or three deep at the safety position. But what changes do you expect to see out of the safety position and how they play this season? Well, we were talking about it just just a, a couple of days ago here on On the Line, but talking about Zach Etheridge and how and how he, he focuses on the fundamentals with these guys. And I think the secondary is definitely going to try and focus on that this season. I would like to see a lot. I would like to see better coverage from, from Auburn this season. I think we are going to get that from guys like Smoke Monday. He's a very talented guy, definitely has NFL potential. But I think we're going to see him focus more on getting these fundamentals and these mechanics down and being able to move laterally. I think we're going to see... Zach Etheridge really pushed these guys to become the best that they can be. Guys like Chris Thompson Jr. stepping up. Really excited to see what this safety position does do, but I think they are going to focus on just being more fundamental, getting back to basics, and just focusing on each individual matchup that they they get to play. Smoke Monday is going to be a player of great scrutiny scrutiny is maybe not the the best word to use here because i think a lot of times when people hear the word scrutiny they think of a negative connotation but i think that smoke monday is going to be examined that's a better word smoke monday is going to be examined heavily not only going into the season but also throughout the season considering he is the veteran across this entire defensive backfield alongside roger mccreary at the quarterback position but in terms of the safety position which is featuring brand new players at the strong safety spot smoke monday is the steady force that is at the free safety position smoke monday definitely appears to be considered the leader christian clemente friend of the program was at, was on for the media availability for auburn football earlier jalen simpson was talking about how smoke monday is a leader and has been a leader since Jalen Simpson stepped on campus and for people that I talk to it seems like and Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn podcast kind of made this clear to me that Smoke Monday appears to be the leader of this defense at least the vocal leader of the defense maybe not as much so the linebackers that you may have thought was Jacoby McClain and Owen Papo but Smoke Monday being the leader of this defense vocally for that group of 11. And I think what comes with that leadership is a lot of scrutiny. I think there were a lot of different times last season where Auburn fans got frustrated with Monday. There would be blown coverages. Everybody remembers that first touchdown in the Iron Bowl. Free safety is your last 
It's your last spot of defense. It's the, it's the last resort. So it, I, I really like what I'm seeing from Smoke Monday as far as personality goes. I'm not saying that he's a bad person or I don't like him, John, or anything like that. But I do think there there does come a lot of responsibility whenever you talk a big game like Smoke Monday does. And, I, and, and to go off of just talking about fundamentals, I think there's got to be a lot more consistency as well from this group. And I do expect to see that this season under Zach Etheridge. But specifically for Smoke Monday, if he is going to be the leader of this group, I want him to play like a leader. I don't want him to act like it. I want him to play like it. I agree with that. I agree with that. You got to cut down on the big plays downfield if you're Auburn. Too many times we saw blown coverage, miscommunication, whatever it may be between whoever was guarding in the slot, whoever was covering the slot receiver, and then the safety. Several times we saw blown coverage. Was that Christian Tut? Was that Smoke Monday? Was that the scheme? We'll see if that adjusts some things this year. If Derek Mason can change some of that with the way that he lines up the team, which also some other stuff that I saw that Christian Clemente tweeted out. Once again, go and find him on Twitter. Friend of the program, we'll have him on on Friday at Clemente underscore. You can go and find all the content that he had about media availability. He was talking about how some of the changes that they saw was that they're lining up in different ways on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, that's right. I believe they're going to be lining up in maybe a 2-4-5 at different looks. They're definitely going to be running that 3-4 like we've talked about all offseason so far. Um, Derek Mason will bring a lot of different schemes to the table. I'm interested to see what he goes with the most, and that's something that we're going to get to talk about later is what we're looking forward to on A-Day. I think one of the things for me immediately is what does this defensive scheme look like? But there's going to be a lot of different things that I think Mason will throw at these guys, and I think they can handle it. I think this is a veteran group, especially these linebackers. Um, but lining up in a 2-4-5 interests me because whenever you're talking about, well, these guys need to stop blowing coverages, we need to see better results downfield. Whenever you have, whenever you have five guys in the secondary, you're probably not going to get a lot of pass completions. You're not going to get a lot of big blown, blown coverages and big plays. So I'm excited about that moving forward. You know what's funny? <laughs> I think what, what it's going to look like, the 2-4-5, what it's going to end up looking like, it's going to resemble more of the nickel, I think, than an actual 3-4. Mm-hmm. And I say that because of the way that Auburn's roster is made up at the moment. Over time, I think that will change, depending if Derek Mason is here for a long period of time and the way that Auburn recruits the position. But the 2-4-5 is essentially two defensive tackles that are closer to the guards than they are to the to the center position. There's no true there's no true nose tackle there. So they're actually two true defensive tackles like you would have in a 4-3 alignment. But both of the guys on the outside neither of them are hand in the ground they are stand up pass rushing outside linebackers then you have two inside linebackers but when we did our depth chart series and we're looking at the outside linebacker position those guys are former bucks and defensive ends that are now playing out there that's right they're not true outside linebackers like you sometimes see in the two four five when you're looking at it in the when you're looking at it in the nfl i think it's going to end up resembling the nickel a little bit more than it than anything that does actually concern me talking about these outside linebackers they're they 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 were converted from their buck position that concerns me if Auburn it doesn't concern me it's just I think it's going to end up looking like the nickel a little bit more than the three four at the moment it's just it's just an observation I think it will but something that's bothered me in the past about this Auburn defense as well as is is speed at the linebacker position we've seen smarts we've seen physical uh it hits from the linebacker spot but we haven't seen a lot of speed we haven't seen a lot of lateral movement again back with smoke monday we haven't seen these guys get from sideline to sideline very quickly and that does concern me if you do put these guys in outside linebacker spots on the field and say okay now i want you to cover a little bit what does that look like in the flat what does that look like over the middle so it it does bring some concern but again i think we see a lot of versatility out of it though i do i think the two four five offers that versatility to auburn i do think auburn does have depth at the linebacker's spot enough so that 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 doesn't that isn't a concern this season 
I think we see the 245 a lot because of the pass happy nature of college football and the mm-hmm. trend that is occurring in the Southeastern Conference. The 245 pass rushing oriented, those two defense tackles responsible for covering multiple gaps on the offensive line, trying to plug them up, and then your inside linebackers are your primary run stoppers. They're the ones who go and fill in and make those tackles behind those players. But what the 245 allows you to do by taking the nose tackle off the field and only having true two down defensive linemen it allows you to put an extra defensive back on the field that's right and that extra defensive back combined with the pass rush that Auburn's trying to generate I I, I think that's a big bonus it's going to help Auburn cover it's going to help Auburn cover pass happier teams without giving up the uh, without giving up the run yeah the, in the past we saw Auburn giving up the run in the 425 mm-hmm. it's I know I just said it was going to look like the nickel I think it's going to allow you to have the ability to cover like the nickel does by putting an extra defensive back on the field while also not sacrificing if you can get those defensive tackles to play at a high level and be able to actually cover those two gaps if Auburn's able to do that if the defensive tackles play the way that they're supposed to Auburn's not going to give up anything more in the running game just because they took a nose tackle off the field and they're still going to be able to handle the passing game effectively yeah the SEC has definitely evolved in the past decade as far as offense goes outside of the University of Georgia everybody's been able to kind of figure it out (laughs) and get into a new scheme what about Vanderbilt Vanderbilt didn't really seem like they they changed I think I think under guys like Kyle Shermer with guys like Ralph I mean they they still had they still had star not necessarily star talent but it would be in like a, a group of five school they'd still be they'd be good players it's a good scheme it's just Vanderbilt um, but, That's a good point. but but as far as pass happy offensive goes, I mean, obviously the, the SEC has developed more in that direction and you can't give up 250 yards a game like Auburn did last season. You just can't if you want to be able to win consistently in this conference. And by taking away that nose tackle and adding that extra defensive back and again, Auburn's got depth at linebacker and they've got depth at secondary. The defensive line is what concerns me and I'm happy that they've actually moved JJ over the defensive line. I'm excited to see what he does there. But this 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 group has depth. And Auburn will be able to mix and match and put guys in different spots. And I think this group is definitely going to be talented. You had one more guy out there on the field. This team could be borderline elite at the secondary position. Christian Clemente, at C. Clemente underscore, saw this tweet. And this was the tweet that I was referring to earlier. Jalen Simpson says one of the biggest changes for the cornerbacks in the new defense has been more focused on pre-snap focusing on assignments alignment and things like that which tells me just reading into the lines there tells me that Derek Mason is drawing some stuff up pre-snap to confuse opposing offenses which I think you're going to have to do in this day and age it was something that made Malzahn so successful is getting a lot of pre-snap motion on the offensive side of the ball so that nobody would know where it was going until I think people figured it out and, people, and everybody was doing the same thing exactly <laughs> so you got to be able to to, to to do that a little bit yourself on the defensive side of the ball and I'm really excited that we got Mason because I feel like not only is he going to be able to bring fundamentals and good scheme and sound scheme but he's going to be able to give that shot in the arm to this defense he brings a lot of energy a lot of passion and overall I think this defense is going to be much improved compared to last season Desi Sills names Auburn and Texas A&M in his top two schools on Instagram then he deletes the post what does that mean we'll talk about that later on in the show more of on the line coming up you are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater we'll be right back You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. That's how you get through to on the line. We want to hear from you. What's on your mind? 
1390. Tease this going into the break. Lance, you can confirm. Desi Seals, the Arkansas transfer, considerably the best player on Arkansas's basketball team, said he wanted to leave Arkansas. He wanted to be Desi, go to a place where he can be Desi. He decided to transfer, and he put Auburn and Texas A&M in his top two, one of the best guards in the conference in terms of scoring the basketball and also, I would say, isolation basketball players as well. Auburn fans got to remember this guy because both times that he played Auburn, he was dropping like a 20-piece on the Tigers. So he, he was definitely one of the most effective players, if not the most effective player, across both of those teams in that basketball game and across both of those times that those two teams played. Right. He puts Auburn and Texas A&M in his top two and then de- deletes the post on Instagram. What does this mean? I don't know what that means. It's like a, I had this plan. Big giant letters. You see it right there on the rundown. Desi, Desi Sills. Sills. I didn't have that originally, and then I saw it. I was like, all right, we're talking about this. I was ready to talk about this, and then bang, deleted while, while, right when we go on the show. I think the most confusing thing to me is, like, why did you have a team in, in your top two that scored 62 points a game last season? Why would you want to go there, bro? Come on, Auburn. You'll shoot. You'll have fun. Just looking at his numbers, he ever like what seven and a half points a game last year 2.7 rebounds 1.6 assist per contest uh shot 43 percent from the field only 31 percent from from deep uh he's actually regressed as a three-point shooter in every single season at arkansas started the, his freshman year averaging five and a half, half points per game and shooting 46 percent from three next season 10 points per game shooting 32 percent from three and then, like i mentioned 31 percent from three last season but he's still a guy that auburn would want to go after as far as like shooters are concerned i was telling you before we went on air auburn needs shooters they don't need a combo guard they don't need a point guard they need somebody that can shoot the basketball and that's what they do and auburn has somebody like that in trail Alexander but we need we need somebody that that's somewhat of a veteran presence if we can go after and get that guy and I think Desi Sills would be the perfect fit in this offense as far as running running the floor getting really fast chucking up a bunch of threes I think Desi is the perfect fit the fact that he deleted his Instagram post after announcing his final two confuses me I don't see any any reason why he would do that I'm confused as well I I, I don't know and, and maybe there's no reason to speculate on it but Desi Sills at least there, there. He's he's obviously considering Auburn heavily. There was a graphic made. He's obviously considering Auburn heavily. Auburn must be in the running for Desi Seals if he were to post that. And Desi Seals is the guy that we've all forgotten about that hasn't been talked about. Caught up in all of this Walker Kessler news, and then on top of that, the other two guards they had one scholarship left to use. We've talked about that one scholarship left to use. And I've been asking this question, where's Auburn going with it? Are they going to wait to see Scoot Henderson reclassifies? What are they going to do? And I kind of leaned more towards they were just going to leave the spot open because we hadn't really seen anything else. But now Desi Sills seems to be a major player. And what I was talking about with Desi Sills, he wrote this on Instagram, quote, I'm going somewhere I can be Desi Sills and not be held back. That's on that. I'm a certified bucket. Y'all will see in the near future. Well, maybe he, like he, like he mentioned over the break, maybe he's going to Texas A&M to be the star on that team where he can just be himself and, and get all get all the shots up that he wants to. But Auburn is notable for letting players exactly. be themselves. Pretty much everybody's got a green light. Something that Auburn does so well is they play a lot of isolated offense. I don't think Auburn has a. They don't have a lot of assists 
usually whenever you go to look at the box score. It's usually isolated scoring. They'll ride the hot hand. Bruce Pearl knows how to do that well, and it's just a bunch of athletes. They don't necessarily share the ball well, but they do have good chemistry, and so they know when a guy's hot, they know who to get it to, and a guy like Desi Sills would be perfect in this offense because as Tiger fans have seen before, this guy has the potential to just absolutely light it up. We saw, what, 45 points over the two games that Auburn played against Arkansas this season? I mean, he can light it up from deep. This is somebody that Auburn should really continue to go after, even after he's taken his post down. I don't know if that means, like, well, he's not considering these schools anymore or if he didn't want people to see it yet. Maybe he didn't mean to post it, but then again, why'd you hit post? I, I'm very confused <laughs> And by Instagram, it. like, gives you, like, two or three, like, are you sure? Yeah, but, but, but the thing <laughs> is... Facebook doesn't really do that. Instagram's like, are you sure? <laughs> but my thing is, is like, if, if this is, like, a warning sign to Auburn, Auburn needs to go and check and see what's going on. I actually know the guy that made his graphic, so I may hit him later and see, like, hey, dude, what's up? Do you know what? he took it down oh man I, I would like to know yeah i'll get into that in just a, just a couple hours or so see if i can hit him i would like to know that is interesting i'm sure callers would like to know as well 334-321-1390 that's how you get through to on the line we want to hear from you we want to know do you want desi sills that's the other question i want to ask he seems a little disgruntled at the moment Longtime arkansas guy he's going to add a veteran presence to the auburn team but disgruntled based on what i just said based on what he wrote on instagram you don't say i want to go somewhere where i can be desi unless you feel like Arkansas wasn't allowing you to be Desi, right? I, I think that just based off of looking at stats, and I'm just purely speculating here, I don't know no, Maybe not happy about with situation. playing time, with usage? Maybe he wasn't happy about playing time because look at what he did in 2019. 31 minutes a game, 10.5 points per game. In 2020, he only had 20 minutes a game and averaged 7.5 points per contest. So maybe they were taking that away from him. Maybe they were trying to even out the roster. He decided he wasn't happy with his playing time. He feels like he's more of a star role at that shooting guard spot. that's what it seems. That's what it seems like based off of his tweet. And so he's deciding, I'm going to go somewhere where the offense will allow me to be a star or at least play the way I want to play. And I would argue that both both Auburn and A&M will allow him to do that in separate ways. Very different ways. A&M and Auburn's brand of basketball very different AM's going to be more like please shoot we don't have any shooters please just shoot every time down the floor and auburn will be like we'll let you shoot as long as you're hot because we have five or six other guys that can do it as well he's definitely more of the focal point in the texas a&m offense he's definitely more of a focal point in the texas a&m brand of basketball because they do need the help offensively but i'll also say that it's in a more controlled fashion texas a&m uses the press with buzz williams to slow down the game of basketball that's how they use the press. They're one of the slower brands in college basketball. You don't just average 62 points a game because you're a bad offense. Even bad offenses that aren't very efficient can still score about 70, even if they're playing at a fast enough brand. A&M scores, how many, you said it was like 62, right? I believe it was 62 points a game. I mean, yeah, I mean go you, check. You're, average, you're averaging 62 points a game because you're not efficient and you're playing a really slow brand of basketball and there's less possessions. Desi Sills is going to have to play within the framework of the Texas A&M offense but at Auburn it's different you said they were going to use him in very different ways he's going to have to play in, uh, along with a star-studded cast of players if you were to commit right. to Auburn whereas he, he and he definitely would not be the star you're you are not the star if, if you come to Auburn and if that is a major criteria for you in the in the school that you're choosing Auburn may not be the best fit because you and, and some guys have a hard time with that they want to be the star and I'm not saying this is Desi Sills but some guys want to be the star and if that's not happening, they're disgruntled and they become they can become a cancer in the locker room. Right. That's something this Auburn team should want to avoid because there's a lot of new players coming in, a lot of new mouths to feed, and a potential pitfall for that. And we've seen this with Kentucky and why a lot of years they don't achieve what they should be achieving with the caliber of recruits that they bring in. 
They can't find a way to make them all happy, and there's just not chemistry on the floor. Auburn's got to find a way to balance that. And I think Desi's not leaving anything. It, it, nothing's a mystery as far as Auburn picking up Desi because just based off of his tweet, we can see what type of personality he is and what type of offense he wants to be in and what type of player he wants to become. So it's like Auburn knows what they're getting if they do decide to pick up Desi. I was actually incorrect about Texas A&M. They averaged 64 points a game. Ooh, but they only, and a whole nother bucket. They, they, <laughs> but they only averaged 59 points per game in SEC play. So you average oh. it out. It's like, ugh. Like, why would you? Okay, I understand why if you wanted to be the focal point of the offense, but why would you go and put yourself through that? I don't know. <laughs> How many years of eligibility does he have left? Let's see. He's a junior, so I would say, he's I got would two, say more. two. Yeah, so it's he's got two, two more years. Two more years. Uh, I don't think he's going to the NBA after this upcoming year. I don't want to hate on Buzz Williams too much. I do like what he did the year prior to this season. He's a good coach. I, I, I think he's a good coach. I think he's a likable guy. I think he is trying to build that Texas A&M program up, and I think he's doing a semi-decent job of it. This year obviously was somewhat of a setback. Getting a guy like Desi would definitely improve that, but as far as quality of program goes um and we'll get to this later i mean auburn in, in contention for a kid from north carolina and the two the three schools that the kids considering is north carolina gonzaga and auburn he chose auburn would you rather go to a school like that or would you rather go to texas a&m where the offense is abysmal and you're not going to be in the top half of the sec anytime soon you have a chance to go on a major run next year it's all it all just depends on what's important to him and he's trying to figure that out right now. But there was a post that has since been deleted that included Auburn at Texas A&M in the top two for Arkansas transfer Desi Sills, the talented guard out of Fayetteville who has shown the ability, I feel like, to be one of the best guards in the SEC. Coming into the year, he was billed as such. Just a disappoint, disappointing season for him this year, but it would be a major transfer. And, he's, and it looks like he's trying to keep it in the league. And he's trying to keep it in the division as well. I know there's not divisions in – I know there's not divisions in – sec basketball but those teams are those teams on that side of the of the conference are very familiar with each other so wouldn't it be fascinating if they did actually split the the sec into divisions in basketball but they actually put missouri in the west wouldn't that be fun (laughs) i would love to see that still talking about buzz williams here one of the most baffling coaching careers that i've seen and maybe he maybe he is a journeyman i don't know he stayed at virginia tech and marquette for about the same amount of time but why and and I was I was confused about this why he left Marquette for Virginia Tech he left Marquette after his worst season just two games above 500 back in 2013-2014 but you talk about a guy who over his six years at Marquette went to the NCAA tournament five out of those six years was even I believe if I remember correctly a two or three seed in 2012-2013 because I had him going to like the final four of the national championship that year they finished in the elite eight everybody thought I was crazy but they went very far that year and uh, they, were, they were one of my Cinderella teams. And it's kind of hard to believe that I was picking a two or a three seed to be a Cinderella team, but it was somebody that nobody believed in. I think they were a three seed because I believe Miami was the two that year in that NCAA tournament. But you look at it, he went to two Sweet 16s in Elite Eight. He won a tournament game back in 08-09, and then he just went to the tournament back in 09-10. So he's won at least a tournament game in four of those five appearances, and he won at least two in three of those five. Leaves, goes to Virginia Tech, has three NCAA tournaments there out of five, and then leaves Virginia Tech to go to A&M. Seems like he's building a program up and then leaving right before they peak. It's confusing. It's confusing. And we'll continue to build up on the line here as the show goes on. We've got... Our third segment of the show coming up on the other side of this break. Stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also airing on Facebook, Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and ESPN 106.7's Facebook pages. That's how you can watch the show. You can call in. We're taking your calls, 334-321-1390. What's on your mind as far as what's going on in the Auburn industry? Also working on getting a text number set up, gentlemen. It's coming soon, so everybody can everybody can be looking forward to that with the new text number that we will be debuting relatively soon for po- for uh, folks to be able to uh, text into the show. We're working on getting that set up, so um, once that's once that's official, we'll let everybody know. That's an, that'll be another effective way for people to be able to get in contact with the show. Number to call once again though three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Auburn baseball last night taking down number twenty Georgia Tech seven to three. Begs the question. I was talking with Jacob Hillman of WGL 91.1 FM on yesterday's show. He covers a lot of baseball games. Guy loves baseball. He's at every single baseball game. Every game. This guy's this guy's a junkie when it comes to baseball. And then he goes home and watches the Braves. It's like, do you even have a life, bro? Love the guy, <laughs> though, man. Love that guy. Big baseball dude. I even at one point accidentally, I might need to add this to the, to the list of things that we messed up alongside Frushmates. You said that the other day. But because um, we're keeping up with that list of things that we miss say, whether it be words, new words that we create, meaning of the things that I miss say, nobody else. At really the end of the year, at the end of the year, hopefully, well, no, I mean I've got one on there actually, and I realized it. But at the end of the year, we're going to re- reveal all the all the words that we made up by accident. Frustrates is on there. You, you, <laughs> uh, you meant to say frustrates, but it did not come out that way. I was about to say, what was I trying to say, <laughs> bro? But uh, yesterday I called uh, Jacob's new nickname is Baseball. Hey, yo, baseball. You're, you're, nice. nice. <laughs> I don't know where that came from either. But um, yeah, so he, big baseball guy, he said yesterday that Georgia Tech, that game against the 20th ranked Yellow Jackets, it's a big one. This is a pivotal moment in the Auburn baseball season. If Auburn gets drilled, destroyed in Atlanta, well, maybe the season is, maybe the season is passing on by them. But it is important to note that the schedule gets considerably easier from here out in SEC play. And if Auburn can start picking up SEC series wins he said that the number in his opinion if Auburn can get hot enough 13 and 17 would be good enough he thought for Auburn to possibly make the NCAA tournament so he's not ready to write Auburn off I still think 14 is where you want to get but Auburn would have gotten hot if they got to 13 and 17 it's it's not out of the equation but is this season still alive yeah I I think there there there's a slim chance now I'm not saying that there's a, a big chance I think I think for Auburn to get to where they want to be it's Jim Carrey so you're telling me there's a chance there's a chance but there's not a whole <laughs> lot there but what we saw from Auburn is what I've been ex- wanting to see from them all season which is more consistent hitting and more consistency from the bullpen what we get like three strikeouts from from Carson Swilling to close out that game uh last night and then we got we got good hitting from Stephen Williams and something that I've been harping on is you guys are getting runs but you're not getting you're not getting hits you're I mean you're getting hits but you're not getting runs I'm sorry so Auburn actually had six hits uh last night and they turned it into seven runs and that's what they got to be able to do moving forward they can't leave guys on base you can't have eight hits against Arkansas and lose by one you got to be able to actually put guys on base and then get them home you got to be able to score and I, Auburn was able it's to do that. It's all about the hit-to-run ratio That's that we right. talked about. That's right. <laughs> that nobody was, talks about but us. Auburn was able to do that well last night. And if they can continue to do that semi-decently moving forward, I mean, they've got a really good chance to beat the dog out of Alabama it, because they've proven they can beat top 25 teams. What if I told you that Connor Prelip's coming back? Then the, the, this team all of a sudden gets the, even even closer to where they want to be. And, and Alabama, Alabama putting Connor Prelip on the mound is uh, – 
it's a scary thing. Connor Prelip coming into the year was regarded as one of the top pitchers, I, I would say, put into the same company as what Vanderbilt has in their rotation. And all, I feel like Auburn's getting Sharif Coopered, but reverse now I, with I, Connor Prelip coming back. I think if me, me, what, what I mean is if Auburn, Auburn's getting closer where they, want, where they want to be is I believe Auburn can 2-1 can or sweep Alabama. So if they do beat Alabama with Connor Prelip, I believe oh, Auburn's yeah, yeah, even yeah, closer yeah. where they want to be. It's even more proof that, hey, we can beat top 25 teams and we can beat really good pitchers. It's just consistency 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 just get better at the little things get that hit to run ratio more even and I'm not necessarily saying strike out every single guy that gets up to to the to the the plate but like you got to be able to not give up so many hits or so many home runs and, and not have your top guys fall apart I understand we've talked about this a lot of it's been because of injury but this this pitching staff is is starting to heal up and they're they're getting experience so I expect better from them moving forward and I think Alabama is a great opportunity to show what Auburn can really do not a lot of hits yesterday but it was still I, they they cashed in when they had the opportunities right. only six hits but seven runs on those six hits Auburn started the scoring off back in the second inning they had three runs there they blanked Georgia Tech until the bottom of the fourth Tech responded it was 3-2 at that point Auburn bounced back with two more runs in the six making it 5-2 at that point and then over the last three the, over the last three innings Auburn outscored Georgia Tech 2-1 to one to end up taking the 7-3 victory you are right Carson Swilling with three strikeouts to close out the ball game in that final inning he had six different Tigers touch the mound you had Trace Bright getting the start, who had four innings pitched, only gave up two runs, both of which were earned, one strikeout, one walk. He faced 15 different batters, just the three hits. I think this is important for Trace Bright. He was facing a good lineup yesterday. Georgia Tech didn't have the best hitting, uh, excuse me, they didn't have the best pitching in the world, but they had some good hitting in conference play. As Sting shakes his head, he had that scouting report for us on Monday. This Georgia Tech team can hit, and they've been hitting against some good teams in conference play in the ACC. Trace Bright, I was concerned. You saw him have two good starts to open up his career at Auburn with, with, with as a starting pitcher against Alabama A&M and the Texas A&M of the Round Rock Classic, you saw two good starts for him there. But then you see the starts that he had following that against teams like Arkansas Literat, and he got, he got smashed. And so I was thinking, well, teams probably got some film on the guy. They finally were able to build some tendencies against him in their scouting reports, and they knew how to hit him. And we haven't seen Trace Bright for quite some time, especially in a starting role. We haven't seen that. And now you get to see Trace Bright start again and he performed well against a top 25 team. So maybe this is signs that Trace Bright is improving and can possibly give Auburn some good innings on the weekend. Well, something else that we've seen from this baseball team so far is we've seen individual effort, but we've not seen team effort. We've seen incredible bullpen plays. We've seen incredible defensive plays. We've seen incredible moments at bat. You see Stephen Williams going off in this game. And, and Trace Bright... He loves playing Georgia Tech, man. Right, <laughs> Uh, Trace Bright being able to get back on track, I think, is really important. To only give up, if you what he faced, fourteen batters, and he gave up three runs. To only give up a run or a hit rather on twenty one percent of the bats that you face, I, I'd say that's pretty good. And you know, even though teams have gotten tape on him, even though people have kind of started to figure out, okay, well, this is what the, this guy can do. Let's see if we can if we can execute better on the things that he does poorly. I think moving forward, Trace Bright with experience is going to be able to figure out a, a counter to that and be able to say, well, these are some other things that I can do well. Let me start doing that. And he's going to become a, a more well-rounded guy. And I, I think that if anything, it's a good thing for him. Good to see Seb Thomas throwing again. He had one inning against Georgia Tech and only threw nine pitches. One, two, three inning for Seb Thomas. Only threw that one inning once again. 
Carson Swilling, again, we also mentioned him, the three strikeouts in a 16-pitch inning to close out the ball game. Peyton Glavin had a good inning of relief, just the one walk, but he did not, or across two innings, he just had one walk, did not give up any hits, no runs, uh, no strikeouts for Glavin, but still, nonetheless, he he faced seven batters and, and sat them all down except for the one walk. So Auburn had some good some good relief innings last night. The bullpen worked for Auburn in a midweek game against a team that knew how to hit. This is an important win for Auburn, and now moving forward, Auburn has to take on Alabama this weekend with Connor Prelip reentering the rotation, which with Connor Prelip, Alabama, if he was fully healthy and he was, a, he was your Friday guy, you almost pencil Alabama in against most teams in the conference. I say most teams, the top-tier teams, top four, top five teams of the SEC, you probably don't pencil Alabama for sure, but he gives you a chance to beat anybody in the SEC on a Friday night. That's how good Connor Prelip is. Sting was telling me that it's it's possible he's going to be on Saturday. Sting, Saturday, we got you. So I think that's what Alabama right now is planning. So that could be the last game of the series. And if it's a rubber match, good gracious. Now, the other side of that with Connor Prelip is, is he ready? He hasn't pitched in quite some time. We saw that with Jack Owen. It took him a couple of took him a couple of outings just to get back to where he needed to be to, to put a good start out there, and he still has been hit or miss. He's still been up and down. He got shelled this past weekend, but two starts ago, back in SEC play against Arkansas, he had a good outing. So it's, it's kind of hard to balance right now. I, it's hard to see what you're going to get out of Connor Prelip. I think my thought process, and I'm really gr- glad you brought up the, the Sharif Cooper situation. My thought process through this is you look at what Sharif Cooper was doing whenever he came back. He he went off. Alabama Alabama had a really high, hard time stopping him individually, but Alabama still won the game because they were just the better team. I believe that Auburn is the better team, and even with Connor Prelip coming back, I think Auburn has shown so many different times this season that they can compete with the big boys. They just haven't gotten over that hump yet, and I think against teams like Alabama, even though it's on the road, even though you're facing Connor Prelip potentially on Saturday, I think Auburn can get 2-1 in this series easy I think it's easy I think Auburn could sweep Auburn's just got Auburn's just got to be able to get 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 their stuff together and they showed that they have the ability to do do that in the most recent game that they played against a top 20 opponent so I'm going to take Auburn to win 2-1 for sure like a, a lock to win 2-1 okay. and I think there's potential to sweep just depends on how it looks after the first game well the team's been pushed they, they have been pushed to the precipice they have been that's a tongue twister they have been pushed to the precipice just like Auburn softball was last week Auburn softball needed a desperate series win against Texas A&M and they got it they took two out of three and it was against a team they Auburn softball had been battle tested had to play the best that the SEC had to offer Auburn baseball in a very similar situation they're just lagging a series behind the softball season because softball starts a week earlier than baseball now baseball has found themselves in the exact same position that softball was baseball on the road in Tuscaloosa Alabama what better series to turn the season around when Auburn University has lost to Alabama and everything meaningful this year in collegiate athletics? Yeah, I think whenever you see a team get pushed against the wall and they succeed, I think that's that's the sign of a good team. That's where good teams shine is whenever they have to play well and they play well. I think we saw it with that 2017 Auburn uh, football squad up until the SEC championship game where Auburn had two losses and, and everybody, Gus Malzahn realized like, hey, these next four games that we have to play are essentially our playoff elimination game. We got to go out and we, we got to win them all. We got to beat Georgia. We got to beat Alabama. We got to beat the teams that we should beat. We got to beat Texas a and on the road so I think this Auburn squad is in the position to do that now the question is whether or not they can be like that 27 team and execute they do need to if they can sweep Alabama that would change that would change the scope of the season in a big way yep. more of on the line on the other side of this break on the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama 
on 98.3 FM and ESPN 1067. Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line here, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. We've got you covered with high school sports and collegiate content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. Before we wrap up hour number one here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's the middle of the week. Get past today and you're halfway through it. Wednesday night on Fox means the Masked Singer at 7. It's the Group A Finals as another celebrity is unmasked this evening. Following the show at 8, it's Game of Talents. Some movie selections for tonight. Two middle-aged salesmen who recently lost their jobs are forced to compete against top collegiate prospects in an internship for a job at Google. The internship is on AMC at 7. Domino, Bedlam. Shatterstar, 1980s rock bands, or mutant fighters. It's Deadpool back to saving the day in unconventional ways with Deadpool 2 on at 6.30 on FX. Just because you get older doesn't mean you have to grow up. Grown Ups 2 is on Paramount at 6, and Old School follows it at 8. In live sports, the NBA schedule features two games on ESPN. First at 6 p.m., catch an Eastern Conference battle between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. At 8.30 in the Western Conference, the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies close out the night. I'm Noah Gardner. That's what's on TV tonight. Wrapping up hour number one here of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Some NFL news today and free agency. Jadavian Clowney, now a Cleveland Brown. He rejected an offer from the Browns last year. Visited with the Browns this season. Left the complex without an offer a month later. He's a Cleveland Brown. This is big time because he's going to be lining up opposite of Miles Garrett. Yep. And you're talking about a defensive line that also features Olivier Vernon and Sheldon Richardson. I think this is, if not the best defensive line in the AFC, it is definitely in the top two or three. It's it, it, On paper, it looks it's like one of, the, one of the better defensive lines in the entire it's NFL. nasty in terms of pass rushing, too. Maybe not the best run-stopping defensive line, pass rushing, Good gracious. Very, very, very elite. Um, when I mean, if you have Clowney, period, you're probably going to be a semi-decent defensive line. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I saw this today, he's been top five in the NFL over the last three seasons in pass rush win rate. I, I, I believe that's accurate. Let's see. Miles Garrett's been third. I, I believe he's been fourth or fifth. So Jadavion Clowney, although he had a disappointing year for the Titans last season, that ended short because of an injury. Right. And Clowney has dealt with injuries for a large portion of his career in the NFL, stretching all the way back to his final season at South Carolina. And what was that like? Uh, was that a was that like a herniated disc or something like that when he was at South Carolina? Or was think, it something else? I think it was. Let's see. Just looking at what ESPN put out, he's had several different injuries, including injuries to the groin, elbow, back. Yeah, a groin, elbow, and back over the course of his career. He has 255 tackles and 86 quarterback hits and 32 sacks in his seven seasons. And the Browns now have three of the past seven number number one overall picks on their roster. Yeah! Which is insane to have Baker, Garrett, and Clowney. Wow, that's insane. The fact that they've been able to keep Garrett and he's actually been performing is, is mind-blowing to me. It shows you how far this Browns team has come. It's beautiful. It's well documented that I'm a Cleveland Browns to fan. To see what they beautiful. did, I, wa- I remember watching that entire game against Pittsburgh, and from the jump, it was like, oh, this is such a different team. I always feel like I have to explain this for new listeners, but like I was there 
during the one in 31 stretch of two seasons in Cleveland. I was there and it was heartbreaking, but they have risen like a phoenix and the Browns are a much better team for it. The question is, will they make the playoffs this year? They squeak in on a wild card spot this year and it was very fine margins, very fine margins this season that they made the playoffs because there was that tight race between the Colts even uh, you could say the Titans as well considering the Colts and the Titans were trying to figure out who was going to win their division but in addition to that you had the Colts you had the Browns I'm trying to think who was the other wildcard team the Ravens were in that mix the Ravens came from what looked like they were going to be too far gone the Ravens battled their way into it the Raiders were in the mix for a bit bowed out at the end the Dolphins as well I mean you went into that final Sunday because the Browns lost to the Jets the second weekend to, to the last of the NFL seasons like week six, week 17 or whatever or week 16 whenever they lost to the Jets it was the second to last game of the season the Browns put themselves in a very difficult situation because you clinch a playoff spot if you beat the Jets yeah. after that it was all up in the air there was three teams playing for two spots and the Browns were just mm-hmm. fortunate enough to make it the Dolphins were the ones left out and they needed some help too but they they won they beat the Steelers they got in so there was no questions at that point they didn't need any help because they beat the Steelers but you, you got people out there and big personalities out there in the media that don't think the Browns are going back that this past year you know new teams come and go every season into the league there's typically a core of three or four that make the playoffs every single season and then the teams that are on the fringe are the ones that get left out people think the last year was maybe an apparition I, I'm going to sit this one out because it's obvious that I've already stated that I have bias here. What say you? Well, I, I, I'll say this before I start talking about the, the future. It's it's phenomenal to me to think that this all started back actually with a win over the Jets. And I remember watching a YouTube video at the time and the guy who was a Pittsburgh fan being like, Cleveland, you've won a game. And it's just like so <laughs> how exciting it was at that Almost point. Cried to see like, that oh night. my gosh, they won a game, guys, to now they're beating the crap out of Pittsburgh in the playoffs. I think moving forward, I've seen Colin Coward. I believe he was one of the guys that said he doesn't think Pitt, or the Browns are going back to the playoffs this season. He is one of those big personalities that I was referring to. I would push back and <laughs> but say... But he didn't think that the Browns were ever going to go to the playoffs. Right. I would push back on that and say you never thought they would to begin with. And also look at the star power that they have. Make Baker Mayfield... Odell Beckham, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. They've got a one-two punch in Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb at running back. Do Best they, backfield in the AFC. Do they still have Jarvis Landry? They do. They still have Juice Landry. Very, very talented team as far as Still have Odell Beckham Jr. coming back right. from injury. Did you mention him? I did. Yep. Skill position and star power. I'm this. Look I, at the tight ends, my man. The tight ends are excellent as well. Is Njoku still on roster? He is. He's the third best tight end on the roster. He's the third best tight end. Uh, they have Hoopers Hooper out there. Out there. Yeah. That's right. Very, very talented team. Loaded, baby. Offensively, really, really good. I don't see how this team couldn't make the playoffs. Most star power out of any AFC team on the offensive side of the ball. Now, defense, defensive line's up there, but outside of that. I'll say this as well. As far as the Steelers are concerned, I mean, we saw how bad Big Ben was last year. We've seen the regression. We saw the rise, and now we're in the fall, and I don't think he gets any better than he was last season. We saw how poorly he was throwing the ball at the end of the season. I'm curious to see if they draft quarterback. Because the Steelers have a bad history here with Ben Roethlisberger still being on the roster of going and drafting a quarterback in the third round or later and say yeah we'll, we'll throw him out there when Big Ben gets hurt we'll try him out maybe he'll end up being the future they keep like hedging their bets on a worse quarterback in the draft without actually committing to the future after Big Ben it's coming and if they don't find somebody soon the Pittsburgh Steelers may very well end up being the worst team in that division because the Bengals have their quarterback That's and the right. Bengals are looking to build around that quarterback if Joe Burrow can avoid having his knee dismantled again but if Joe Burrow stays healthy 
and, and the Bengals were a hard out for a lot of teams and the Ravens aren't going anywhere at the moment and I don't think the Browns are going anywhere at the moment it wouldn't shock me if in like two seasons three seasons the Steelers end up falling to be the third or fourth worst team in the AFC North yeah just based off the the trajectory of things right now that definitely does seem the case I, I think for for Pittsburgh it's like Smith Schuster should have gotten out of there this season like he should have gone and he should have gone to a team that potentially could have gotten him to the playoffs I think he should have gotten out there out while he could have I I, I think that was a mistake but they can't survive on him and a semi-decent defense from now on you talk about the Bengals they're, they're starting to develop. They're getting their guys, and I think with this next year's draft, they're going to be even better. Well, all the money's on the defensive side of the ball, right? You say right. semi-decent defense. It's an elite defense out there in Pittsburgh on that side of the ball, but what did it do for them this year? Got no. blown out by the Browns Nothing in, the in the playoffs. Right. Hour number two of On the Line on the other side of this break. We'll be back in just a few moments. Stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner, lands Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama, also airing on Facebook. You can watch the show on Facebook at Radio Alabama Sports, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We're taking your calls. Phone lines are open. Once again, 334-321-1390. Find Lance and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Intern Jaws. A-Day quickly approaching. We had a good hour, number one, talking a little bit about Auburn's defense backfield, how we expect that to change in terms of their play this upcoming season. Talked Auburn baseball's big win against Georgia Tech. Basketball in the running for Desi Seals, the Arkansas transfer, despite the fact that he deleted the Instagram post. There's got to be some substance to the fact that he named Auburn to a top two between them at Texas A&M, Jadavian Clowney at Cleveland Brown. We have ran through the gamut here so far on today's show, and we've still got an hour more to go and a lot planned for you. Lance, 8A quickly approaching. What are some of the things that you expect to see during the spring game that may be different from the past? Well, I, I think that the, the, the thing Fans? That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> first, first of all, I'll, I'll actually be there, so Excellent. it's really, really exciting. Um, although it might rain. Ugh, I wasn't looking forward and to some that. Some weather is trailing in at the moment. Yeah, um, but as, as far as what I'm looking forward to, I think I, I hit on it a little bit in the first hour, and it's defensive scheme. It's something that Auburn's going to be doing that's new. It's something that we haven't really seen in a long time. We've never really seen a 2-4-5 or a 3-4 look consistently uh, at Auburn, especially since Steele has been here. So it, it's it's definitely something new, and I'm really interested to see, okay, what does it look like? How does Auburn perform against certain things? How does Auburn perform against the ground game? We know that there are issues on that defensive line. Not necessarily issues, just Auburn hasn't quite figured out, okay, who goes where yet. And I want to see how this secondary performs. I've talked I've talked this secondary up so much on this show and how excited I am for them and how much potential that they have. I think they're a top five unit in the country. I'm just interested to see, okay, what does the defense look like and how does it perform? Time for some hard questions. Would you rather see Bo Nix destroy, or would you rather see this defensive backfield excel? Ooh, gracious. Okay, so I mm, I would rather see Bo Nix 
I would rather see him destroy this defensive backfield because it will give me confidence heading into the first half of this schedule. We open up conference play on the road at LSU, and I understand you and I both have similar opinions on LSU and how how quality of an opponent that would be, but it's still on the road in Baton Rouge, and Auburn hasn't beaten them there since 1999. And then you open home slate against SEC opponents against Georgia, Uh, and you have to go on the road and you have to play at Penn State in that in that first half of the season, I mean, if Bo Nix has a really good chance, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but if things don't work out and Bo Nix doesn't quite get it and the system just doesn't fit, we could see Harson maybe quickly. We could see him pull the plug mid October. Not Grant Loy. Not well, Demetrius Davis. I think you could see him get some time. I think I think in a game where Auburn is getting potentially blown out, you could see Demetrius Davis come out there for maybe the last ten minutes of the game so that fans can get a reaction and everybody can get a feel and see okay, can this kid compete? I'm not saying that it's going to happen. We're going to get to see saying that it's likely. I'm just saying that we're going to get to see him in the spring game. That's right. I would rather see Bonex excel now so I can have confidence moving forward because that first six or seven games is tough. That's right. Couple that with the fact you still got to play Alabama in November. That's a good point. That did not leave your schedule. You are correct. Something else that I'm expecting to see this upcoming weekend or what I'm going to be watching out for maybe, Bo Nix turning the ball over. I'm curious. Zach brought this point up to me in the interview that we had with him on Monday I brought this up, or, or it was yesterday, excuse me. Zach Blackerby, find him locked on Auburn Podcast. You can also go and find yesterday's show by finding the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We had Zach on, and he brought up a very interesting point. We keep hearing about all these turnovers and all these penalties on the offensive side of the ball, but right. Brian Horson's not throwing anybody under the bus either. Gus Malzahn in the past would let people know, or we would find out some way, that it was not the starting quarterback. It was a backup that was making the, that was making the mistakes. With Bo Nix, I don't know if we're actually, I don't know if we're getting that confirmation. So it kind of makes you wonder, and he brought that point up yesterday. He was kind of made you wonder, like, we're not hearing a whole lot about Bo Nix excelling or about his progression. And then we're hearing this past Saturday after the scrimmage about Brian Harson putting him in the pressure cooker and trying to make sure that he, you know, handles pressure better and all of these different things, ways that he can improve. It's kind of like, I'm curious. Like, is, is is there? Has he really taken any steps forward? That's what I'll be looking at this weekend. And I think that's what we were looking at last season during spring. Is like, okay, Bo Nix played pretty well. It led to a, a really. When he get a spring last year, dude? Didn't get a spring, but heading into it, <laughs> yeah. what I mean is that before the world shut down. Before the world shut down is like, okay, he led a, a nine and four squad. Statistically, he didn't play bad at all as a freshman. as a freshman. No. So what can he do moving forward? And then we saw him regress. Now whether or not that was because he didn't have a spring. We'll never know, but move, I think that was the same vibe that Auburn fans had last spring before everything, you know, just it just shut down. But I, I'm not sure. But based off what I've seen from Harson, whenever he's been asked about Knicks, it's been, oh well, he's a really smart guy. He's going to be able to figure out the scheme. Or it's like, oh, I'm putting in the pressure cooker. I'm going to see how he handles different things. He's not really told us, okay, how's he doing? He's just said, well, he can do these things. I'm like, okay, but how's he performing? Is he making any progress? And it's something that we've seen from Harson a lot so far, especially in his initial uh, press conference. Whenever he would be asked a question, he would he would not answer the question directly. He'd be like, oh, let me say this. And then he would give give a bunch of different positive things here and there. Like, here's a positive thing that I'm going to do. Here's a positive thing that I'm going to do. But I'm not going to answer your question directly. So when it comes to things like Bo Nix, I don't really think we can have that answer. But just based off what we've seen, we got to be able to trust what Coach says. Uh, we've not seen a lot of progression. 
So you don't think that there's going to be major steps forward this weekend for Bo Nix? I th- but I think there. I th- I want there to be. I, I'm not a Bo Nix hater. This is a former five-star quarterback. Really happy that we got him. I want this kid to succeed. Uh, son of a former Auburn, son of a former Auburn quarterback. I do want to see this guy play well. I don't hate on him, but. Two years in, I'm not exactly thrilled with the results that I've seen from a five-star quarterback, and our our new coach hasn't given me any confidence to believe that it's going to change anytime soon, but I want it to. I want Bo Nix to play better this season. Last thing here of a top three things that maybe we will keep our eyes on this upcoming weekend, usage, how players are used. Malzahn had a tendency, and look, this coaching staff is going to be vanilla this weekend. If the if the most recent media availabilities and the fact that not a whole lot of information is being let out of this program right now, it has been airtight. I'd be willing to bet it's going to be a vanilla weekend for Auburn football. It's just going to be great to see it, though. So folks aren't going to be upset with the fact that it's vanilla, and th- this team shouldn't. Uh, across college football, you know, you're not going to see teams giving anything away. So this team should be no different. But I'm curious to see how guys line up, where guys are lining up, how they're being used and how that's different from the previous regime. Because we've already seen and we've already heard about in articles and in media availability, guys moving positions, or they're at the same position, but they're being used a different way. Javarius Johnson, an indication of that, considering he's moved from the outside to the inside, there are other players that are experiencing those similar situations that maybe we haven't even heard of yet, and we'll get to see that on Saturday. I am excited to see how these these guys are used, but something immediately that would come to mind is, well, Tank's probably going to be taken out early. And I, I do want to see these guys play, but I don't think we're going to get to see a whole lot of it. I, I don't think we're going to get to see a whole lot of Knicks play either. I think they're going to ro- rotate around quarterbacks and just see what different guys can do. But like you said, it's going to be vanilla. And something else that I'm interested in, in looking forward to, as far as like usage is concerned, is like where is the big play going to come from? Because in the past, we've seen guys have really big spring performances. It would be like a third string running back or like a fifth string receiver. Guys like Matthew Hill pop off in the spring game, have spectacular big plays downfield. So what I'm what I'm curious to see is where does that come from? Does it come from a starter or does it come from a bench player? Because I'm trying to get a feel as to how this receiver room looks and how this the backup running backs perform. I want to see Kobe Hudson make a big play. I want to see Elijah Kenyon make another big play. I want to see these guys out on the field just out there doing their thing before I can make a decision on whether or not they're good. I want to see who is the first person to step up and make a 35 to 40 yard game. Number to call 334-321-1390. We will answer this question on Friday's show when we're previewing the ball game but I'm going to go ahead and pose this question to some folks and we'll keep posing this question throughout the week who do you think scores the first touchdown of the A-Day game we want to hear from you about that 334-321-1390 who scores the first touchdown during Harvard's spring game I'm going to say Shivers I'm going to say Shivers scores the first touchdown I'm shaking my head at shaking you, man. your head who do you think is going to score the first I think it's touchdown? entirely more likely that it's Tank Bigsby I think it's I think Tank is likely but I think I don't know. Mm. I think at that point, Grant when, Loy. whenever exactly, <laughs> let's do it, boys. Sawyer Pate, first touchdown from scrimmage, two yard run. Uh, no, I think it's going to be a guy like Shivers before they can get quite to the end zone and let Tank get in there and pound one in. I think I think it's going to be Shivers around the edge, maybe a three or five yard touchdown somewhere that's further out, and I think he'll just be able to get around the edge and score. Such a hard question to answer, though, considering we don't know what this scheme looks like at all, what the new plays look like, what the tendency are, what the tendencies are. You know what Gus Malzahn's touchdown plays were 
fade to the back quarter to Seth Williams yep. or some type of run up the middle. Like there was nothing, or there would be the the quick snap and you'd pitch one over to the to the you you know you do the quick huddle, then you'd get to the line real quick. You go from under center and then you pitch it. That was another favorite in the red zone. None of it worked, but you know still favorite in the in the red zone. So that's our question to you once again three three four three two one thirteen ninety question is who scores the first touchdown and then we'll also add to it how how did they score the first touchdown in Auburn's spring game switching gears here something we talked about a little bit earlier Desi Sills Arkansas transfer guard had a little bit of a disappointing season this year with all of the expectations that were lobbed onto him going into the season he announced a top two earlier today on his Instagram page but then ended up deleting the post that post included Auburn and Texas A&M as his two leaders to earn his commitment what does this mean? It's something else that I want to point out before I jump into that. Just looking at his last four or five games, it, there, he never had an injury issue. So as far as his minutes were concerned, the dude was just getting limited and he left because he was frustrated. He scored a combined seven points. Yes, yeah, seven points in his last four games as an Arkansas Razorback. So I think he left out of frustration of playing time and not getting the ball enough. And like we've talked about his tweet saying he just wants to some, be some, go somewhere and be Desi. As far as the Instagram post is concerned, it's very, very confusing. Like There's no reason why you would do it. You put out your top two. Unless you accidentally posted it. Which, and that's the thing. And that's something that you said over the break is like, well, you don't just accidentally hit the post button. There, there's at least two things that say, are you sure? It, it, it's, a, it's a one to two minute process depends on depending on how long you want to make your caption or whatever. Yeah, it, you also have to like go somewhere where it says like where, where you're like you're making the decision to post something like, like you are creating a new post. And then. You go through all the things on Instagram that you go through to post it because it asks you about filters and whatnot. And then you get to the end. It's like, are you sure you want to post this? And then you hit yes. And then in the past, I think there even used to be, and I don't know if there still is. I'm not on Instagram that often. But in the past, I think there's even one where it's like, who do you all want to see this? Right? Mm-hmm. So there's like three or four barriers to posting something on Instagram. It wasn't It wasn't just an accident. I mean, it was, so it makes you wonder, it was intentional. So it makes you wonder what new information came in that change that in such a short period of time and there's only so many different things that we can speculate on because there are only so many things that are rational that make sense one of them being maybe somebody in his circle told him expect to take the it irrational down. do i <laughs> expect the irrational <laughs> Some, somebody in his circle told him to take it down maybe he decided i don't i didn't want to post this this early he came back to his like i didn't want to post it well it's, it's, it's the fact still stands everybody gets to see it now everybody knows you're top two so I, I there's not there's what if no- something changed on the front with those two teams like what if what if this isn't something that changed with Desi Seals what if something quickly or hadn't been communicated to him yet when he was posting that maybe there was some breach in communication between the two sides and then maybe one of those two teams don't have a spot for him anymore exactly meaning maybe Auburn or A&M reached out to him after he posted that after they would see it and be like hey uh Things are not going to work out necessarily with, with you and our program, and he's like, "Well, I got to, I got to take the post down." That 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 would and then make he's going to choose the other team, right? That's right. That would make sense. So it's like it would make sense if he deleted. But the we post don't know because for he's, sure. He's been narrowed to a top one. We don't know for sure. But again, there are only so many things that you can speculate on that are rational. That one does make sense. Yeah, I, I think the the most likely things are either someone in his inside circle was like there there was a reason or for for whatever reason someone in his inside circle said yo that edit is trash take that down my guy I can get you something better. <laughs> well, I, I would say it was that I was just say maybe now's not the time for you to post right. this or maybe he wasn't ready maybe somebody else became a major player maybe another team maybe he wasn't certain about it after he posted he's like ah, I'm not feeling this anymore or maybe one of the two programs told him to take it down. 
just it's going to be hard to uh it's going to be hard to to figure out and i don't think we'll ever know but you said you were going to go and try and see if you could figure it out you're going to do some digging yeah i'm going to hit the guy up that made his edit and see what he says more of on the line on the other side of this break we'll be back in just a few moments you are on the line with noah gardner and levi fitzwater we'll be right back Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Still talking about Desi Sills real quick before we get to behind enemy baselines. Talking Auburn baseball's upcoming series against Alabama. But, Lance, you saw something on his Instagram story. Yeah, so I actually I hit the guy that made his edit, and then I went to look at Desi's story, and he just posted about 52 minutes ago and said, can't rush this progress, I'm fully opening. So does that mean he's opening his recruitment back up? Makes me wonder, once he posted that at one of those two schools, it goes back to what I said. It makes me wonder if one of those two schools reached out once that was posted and something changed that hadn't been fully communicated at the moment. Yeah. I, That's I, interesting. The guy that actually made his edit as well took took his post down. So it's got it's to gotta be somebody in his circle or some one of these programs reached out to him and said, hey, we're not actually, we're not actually doing this thing. Or... He decided after posting it, it was like, well, I actually want to open this back up. I don't want to make a decision. Don't want, like he said, don't want to rush this process. So there's a lot, there's a lot of different things that we could speculate over, but I, I think we can narrow it down to two or three that make sense. Something else that's big news that just came out that I just saw on Twitter. Nicole Arbach of uh, The Athletic, she tweeted out that the one-time transfer rule for athletes in all sports has been approved by the NCAA Division Council sources tell the at athletic so that's big news if that is indeed uh if this indeed does go through yeah I, for, for, let read it again the first time transfer or the one time transfer rule for athletes in all sports meaning that athletes in all right. sports will be able to transfer one time and immediately become eligible free agency is a thing in collegiate athletics so now. that's if not that, if this ends up going through because uh in that same tweet by nicole auerbach you can go and find her on twitter uh, it also in parentheses says this isn't official until the end of Thursday's meeting. So, so a couple of days. But so if I'm understanding this correctly, it's not just for this year with COVID. It's for for the foreseeable future if it does pass. Yes. So it's free. This agency. is a rule. It will be free agency in college athletics. And I, we've talked about this a lot before. And I, I said I refuse to call it the transfer portal. It is free agency. And now that we're we're getting laws like this passed, like it, it's free agency. Just call it what it is. And and I've spoken about how I feel about the situation. I don't necessarily think it's a good thing. I, I think there should be some some regulations as to. Uh, why a student athlete is is allowed to transfer and how they can go about that process. I, I don't like this move by the NCAA. I think overall people are going to be happy with it, but for the for the future of college athletics and for the future of college basketball, I don't think it's a good idea. Mid majors have everything to lose. If we're talking about this from a basketball standpoint, mid majors, small conference teams, especially once you see things change with athletes being able to be compensated you become a beast one year at a mid-major small conference school whatever it's called depending on what what's more because in football it's not called mid-major but if you're a group of five school in football or if you're a mid-major in college basketball you become a beast you become a star at that level right and then all of a sudden things like what happened this year you see Wendell Green Jr. and Zepp Jasper coming to Auburn their circumstances change big time in terms of what they're able to earn financially when you go to a school like Auburn or an SEC school 
They're about to be on a year-to-year basis. On a year-to-year basis, small conference teams are going to get gutted. This is about to change. The The landscape of collegiate athletics is about to change in a big one. You see teams like Drake and North Texas and oh, Colgate. Also, how does this affect high school kids? Right, right, as far as where they want to go. It's like, well, I don't mm, – well, are you, you're going to favor the transfer, right? Right, right. You're going to go after the guy that's got more experience and has played. Maybe a, not a, always. Eh, well, yeah. I think the I think the league, and this is we are truly wondering about this right now as we go live, and I'm just thinking of other things that it could occur. This is going to affect the JUCO level, right? Because you're going to favor the transfers from see JUCO. You immediately become eligible right. already. That now there's now there's more competition for JUCO players to be able to get to major schools. It's like I would rather take a D1 guy that's that's played at a D1 college over a JUCO prospect. Exactly. 100%. Probably most of the 10 time. 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. 10 times out of 10. I, I, and with teams like uh, Drake, who who lost Yesifu to Kansas, we're going to see things like that more and more often. And it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to defeat the purpose of having like any sort of parity in the, in the sport. We've seen it in college football already, even without transfers. It's like you have your top teams, you have your three best teams, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. And then you have everybody else and it's always one of those three teams that that wins unless you have a a miracle year like LSU had uh just a couple of seasons ago as far as college basketball the reason I've enjoyed it watching it the past two or three years is because there's been parity it's not the same team that's winning every single year and there's a tournament style bracket where it's like anything can happen but taking away talent from these mid-major teams and bringing them on to these power six schools that will dominate is going to make the sport less fun to watch and it's going to make March Madness less fun to watch because it, it takes away the ability for for the upset Whenever you're looking at a team like Drake, it's like, well, they don't have Yesifu. Kansas has Yesifu now. Who do they have? A bunch of scrubs we've never heard heard of before because all of their star power transferred. It's, they're not going to have a chance to beat anybody. It's going to be chalk every single year. And we'll keep talking about this throughout the week as more and more information comes out about it because it doesn't appear to be official just yet. Something else that I just saw on Twitter, Jimmy Dykes tweeted this at Coach Jimmy Dykes tweets six foul limit being discussed for men's hoops next year. Oh no! Every official no. I have talked to is in favor. Game is too fast and physical to stay at five. Allows ability to overcome a bad call and keep best players in game. No need to overthink it. Just give each player six fouls. Period. I'll add to this though, or or maybe we revolt, we rewind ten years and we quit calling touch fouls out on the perimeter. I think you got you got to stop doing the hand check stuff. You got you got to get rid of that. You got to let players be more physical. And as far as six fouls goes, like oh the player or the the game is too fast and physical. Or nowadays it's like a, game's a, always been fast and physical. It's like that's the way it's always been. Maybe not fast, but it's always been physical. It's like even if it's a non-contact sport, it's still it's still a pretty physical sport. As far as six fouls go, that's just gonna that's gonna make the game unbearable. Even at the especially at the end I, of games, I feel like officials are going to be more likely to call fouls now. Right. It's, well, I don't think this is going to I don't think this is going to reduce the amount of fouls that are called in a game. I don't think that this is going to keep. If anything, it'll keep it the same. But still, like I think that officials because they have that barrier of protection because they're not going to file a guy out now, they're going to be more willing to call fouls. And I don't think that helps anybody. No. I don't think it does. If anything, Slows the game down. Yeah, calling fouls, if I was an official, it's like at the end of a game, I would think 
if especially at a lower level, is like how quickly can I get out of this gym if we're down to the wire and there have been f- seven or eight fouls called in the last minute? It's like I don't want that extra sixth foul on every single player because it's just going to make the game drawn out and it's going to take out the legitimacy of a win potentially if you're just giving fouls off left and right and letting people shoot free throws. I don't want the game to become a free throw shooting contest. Man. Imagine that. Know. Imagine teams like South Carolina who they play like that. They play – 12 or 13 guys, and they, they, they hack you, and they foul the snot out of you, and they put you on the line, and they say, beat us at the free throw line. And Auburn couldn't do it for the first two or three years under Coach Pearl, and now they've got guys who can shoot free throws, and so they've had such a difficult time against South Carolina. But it, or South Carolina's have su- such a difficult time against Auburn. Think about teams like that, though. South Carolina, they'll be able to hack and foul you anytime they want because they, they have that extra layer of protection. And so they'll be able to run their stuff. They'll be able to wear you out on the defensive side of the ball because you'll be exhausted physically, and there's more potential for injury. Good for the players to not foul out. I understand why teams would like this, and I understand like why officials would like this. Still, as somebody who watches basketball, inside, I do not feel like this is going to reduce... This I, all this is going to do is, poss- is allow guys to not foul out. Like that, Yes, there will be less foul outs, but... It, does that outweigh the fact that I think that there are going to be more fouls in this man of a game call because officials are going to be more likely to call a foul? I think so. I think officials, because they have that extra foul to give for players to step fouling them out, they will be more likely to call fouls in the span of a basketball I've game. I've gotten word from the guy that made Desi Sills edit. He said that he is, in fact, opening his recruitment, but according to what he understands, Auburn is still in contention. He just does not want to rush anything yet. Interesting. So everything that we speculated about is true. He is reopening his commitment, uh, but I, from what he understands and what we understand, Auburn is still in the running. Now, whether or not Auburn goes after a guy like Scooter Ty Ty instead is still still up in the air, but it, that actually does give Auburn time to kind of see, okay, let's look at our options a little bit more. Let's see who else we can get that's potentially a really good shooter like Desi. And I think overall it's a good thing. I think if we're still in the running form, it's good. I'm still just blown away by the six foul limit. <laughs> that's just i did not expect there are many things that you could change about college basketball many things the six foul limit is not one of those things where i'm like yeah that needs to change i've, I've never or the five foul limit for players fouling out of basketball games that, that's not something in my brain where i'm like yeah that needs to change you know you could go through replay decisions that stuff about that's that probably the most change. important thing there's a lot of things that could change about college basketball but the foul out limit was not on that list if anything this feels like there are now there is now even less accountability with how fouls are judged in the span of a basketball game maybe you have a different perspective and you can talk me into it but i didn't like it whenever we changed the three-point line as well i thought it was perfect the way it is if anything it's brought it slowed the game down and made it more difficult because you still see two or three years after it's like players are still yeah, why stepping are you trying on the to baseline make it harder for guys to make threes i thought threes was what made the game fun right whenever but you wanted to make college basketball fun whenever a guy catches in the corner you still see now players stepping out of bounds in that corner trying to shoot a three it's like it doesn't make the game more fun it doesn't make the game it makes it way more difficult to actually shoot it, it, it makes offense a little a little uncomfortable because if you're trying to work something in the corner there's there's little room to work with especially if you want to get a three off so the, the rules that they've been adding and they've been propo- proposing recently I don't feel like help the game at all I don't think it improves it if anything they should be focusing more on the things that do improve the game things like 
actually looking at replay and actually having more communication. We've talked about this, talking about NFL officials and MLB officials. Should they be held accountable? Are they being held accountable? What exactly is the process looking like? And from my perspective, what I understand, I don't know if you disagree, is like there's not enough communication because there's so many different instances where they just come out with just the wrong call. I don't know what they're looking at. I don't know what they're talking about, but it, it's blatantly obvious that it's the wrong call. I want to hear from folks about this. Are you in favor of this six foul limit for players? Maybe we're missing something. I, I want other people to engage with us on this. Like, what are your thoughts on this? Because I'm okay with the difference of opinion on this. Maybe I'm missing something. Six foul limit being discussed for men's hoops next year. We want to hear from you on it. 334-321-1390. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with <laughs> Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also on the line with us, we're going to bring Agent Sting on. Intern Sting, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Noah. <laughs> I'm glad that you're finally bringing me out here for the mission report. What everybody doesn't know is Sting just lit into me a right before we came back for this break. He's like, man, I've done all this research. It's my time to shine. Give me my segment. <laughs> <laughs> so it's time for Behind Enemy Baselines with Sting giving us the scouting report on Alabama baseball as Auburn's getting set for a three-game series with the Crimson Tide Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. Auburn's done that one time this, this season already. It was the Arkansas series. Sting. What do you have on the Alabama Crimson Tide? All right, well, we'll just go ahead and start with the record. Alabama's actually having a pretty good season, at least compared to Auburn. They're 20-12 and 12 overall, 5-7 and seven in the SEC. But they had a sweep last weekend over uh, Texas A&M. What? The, the, the hot key's a little too loud. Is it, break, is it too loud? <laughs> I was having a hard time hearing you. Okay. Well, I would have thought like three months into now, you would have you would have learned the, no, the hand signals. <laughs> well, all, all of the hotkeys, the volume is different, man. That's right. That is right. They're I'm just different. messing with you, man. I got to move it up and down. I'm that, messing with you, you know man. You're I deserve right. it. I deserve it. <laughs> Should I start over? No, no. You're good. No. You're good. Keep okay. it going. Well, Alabama's on a three-game winning streak in the SEC. They swept Texas A&M last weekend to get up to five and seven in the league, and then they beat Samford 19-3 to last night. So they got a four-game win streak right now. What's funny is... A sweep changes the entire scope of your season. It totally does. At least if you're the one doing the sweeping. Like at this point, with the way that the bottom of the SEC West it looks right now, with LSU being putrid and then Auburn being putrid as well, you sweep somebody, well, you're back in it. Like Alabama was at the bottom with LSU, Auburn, and, and they were down there. That was the bottom three of the league were yeah. those three teams. Alabama sweeps somebody, they're, they're back alive and well, and Alabama's feeling good about themselves at the moment. Auburn's needing that boost. If they're able to sweep, well, they're, they're back in it. Auburn sweeps somebody, it erases what happened last weekend. Yeah, it does, for sure. And there are I mean, other teams that I believe are sweepable. Missouri, Texas A&M obviously just showed that they were sweepable. Right, there yeah. are other teams. Like, if Auburn were to go out and sweep three other teams down the stretch, which I was talking with Jacob yesterday off air, it's like LSU, A&M, and Missouri, your last three SEC series, all three of those teams are sweepable. Mm -hmm. Alabama I believe sweepable if you're able to sweep like three teams man it, the whole scope of the season changes because that's nine and oh stretch right there and all of a sudden the record changes from what Auburn's at one and 11 right now now, now all of a sudden you're 10 11 you're near 500 because you offset those three sweeps that you sustained at the beginning when you were playing top five teams so this weekend is big and it would be nice for Auburn to be able to catch Alabama on a bad weekend but they, they are riding in hot at the moment yeah, so Alabama's coached by uh, Brad Bohannon, who's in his fourth season with the program. and The turncoat. 
Yeah, yeah, a little bit there, yeah. And a little bit. He 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 was in the Auburn dugout when he took yeah, the I job. Know, I know, but <laughs> you know what I'm saying. It's like, I don't know. I'm not up to date on all of that. But yeah, a little bit of historical information here. Alabama has been to the has not been to the NCAA tournament since 2014, but they have reached the College World Series five times in their history, and even finished as national runners up twice in the 90s. And for series history, they do lead the all-time series 163 to 134 with a significant advantage in Tuscaloosa, which is of course where this series is being played. So historically, Auburn does, struggles against them there. Recently, though, they have done pretty well. I mean, they had that series. I think it was three years ago now where. They won. Not, Auburn swept them there. They won two of the games by 14 runs, I think. You sure that wasn't two years ago, like Omaha year? No, it was three. You know, it was three. I was looking at it. Okay. It was 2018. It feels like. Yeah, you're right. Two, yeah. It feels like an eternity ago. Seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm surprised it was that long ago, too. Uh, all right. A couple players to watch. I'm going to start off with uh, Zane Denton. He has best batting average on the team overall with 346, but in conference play, his average has dropped to about 286. Ooh. And all that's six, really not a huge drop. It's not, that happens but, to a lot of guys. Yeah, but it's he's like third or fourth then uh, in conference play and batting. And but here's another thing: he has six home runs on the season, but all of those home runs have been against non-conference teams. So he has no home okay. runs in conference play. So, the Alabama lineup is rather top-heavy. If Auburn can find a way to avoid significant damage across the first three, four guys in the lineup, they're going to be fine. And I'm sure that's going to be in the scouting report for them going into the weekend when they're taking on these, these tight hitters. If they can get past the first three or four guys, you're, you're going to be okay. The, the middle to the bottom half of the lineup is not going to offer up much in terms of scoring run. Yeah, I got and I got two more guys in the batting order who really stuck out to me here. Uh, Owen Diodati and uh, Sam Prater. Their batting averages aren't great, kind of leave something to be desired. They're Big hitters, though. They're hovering around the 250 mark. Yeah, and they are huge hitters. They both have eight home runs in the season, and they've combined for 53 RBIs in 32 games. And so, that's part of the top of the lineup. Owen Diodati right. has been a huge bat for them. Yeah, when they get a hit, it's more often than not, it seems like it's a big one. Or an extra base hit. Yeah, or an a extra home base run hit that brings somebody in or a RBIs, home run something. Yeah. It matters when they hit the ball, I feel like. And moving over to the mound, got uh, Dylan Smith. He has a 2.58 ERA in eight appearances. He's pitched 45.1 innings over the season, and he has 61 strikeouts, more than twice as many as any other pitcher on the team. Which pitcher was that? Dylan Smith. Okay. 61 strikeouts. So, yeah. However, he does have an 0 and 3 record on the season. Starter or reliever? So, uh, he's a starter. Okay. He's definitely the third guy in the rotation because Tyler Ross is propped up above. He's been the guy who's tried to at least hold it together for Alabama. But now Connor Prelip coming back. And uh, Connor Prelip's coming back in on Saturday this weekend against Auburn. And he's only pitched one time this season against Midnight State, but Prelip was an all preseason All-American across like all services. Prelip's up there heading into this year with the way people were viewing him alongside, you know, Leiter and Kumar Rocker over at Vanderbilt. Right. They were viewing this guy as a top-tier pitcher in the nation, being able to go and play the next level one day. I mean, they were talking about this guy the same way people talked about Tanner Burns and Casey Mize. Like, that was Alabama's ace. I, I doubt he'll be at full strength this weekend. That's a big reason why they're putting him on the last game of the weekend, but... I still think that Connor Prelip does change the scope of the series just a tad. Yeah, that's why he's my X factor. That's why I put him here. He's only played in one game. He hasn't pitched in forever. So it begs the question if he's going to be able to come out there on Saturday and you know back like he never left, or may- maybe he'll be a little bit rusty like Jack Owen was to start off. And I think it's very possible, too, that, that third game on Saturday is the rubber match. So Also, how far can he go? That's the other right. question. Is yeah. there, there There's a 
process of stretching out an arm and, and being able to go far in a ball game and to first start back out you don't want to go seven eight nine innings of course you don't want to go deep into the ball game you might have might have a pitch count on and that would benefit Auburn to get him off the mound as soon as possible. Right, definitely. Or get some hits off him to drive him off the mound early, right? right? Because the big question for Alabama, just like Auburn, and I actually feel like it's more of an issue for Alabama because they've been healthy. Auburn hasn't been healthy. When Auburn's healthy, they've at least got two bullpen arms. And um, and Skipper and then also Barnett and then Swilling showed the ability this past week during the midweek yesterday against Georgia Tech against a good hitting team. Auburn at least has two arms in the bullpen that I think could give you consistent good innings for the most part if you can get the starters to be consistent then you, then you should be all right but the the Auburn staff has been hurt Alabama has not other than prelip and their bullpen still suffers yeah that's all I got I mean I got that's some all you stuff got? on the best name which I just kind of do for fun every time I had some trouble with it though I talked to Lance about it I think we both agree we kind of we both kind of like uh, Johnny Hawk Johnny Hawk, it's okay, pretty dope. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty solid name. As far as like ex- that, that's a that's a mix of the Cobra Kai Netflix series. Yes, Johnny and, Lawrence, and then and his then pupil the Hawk, Hawk. Yeah, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I, that hey, you got me, man. That's it's, good. Tyler Ross the, is a good one, but not the most exotic name. But Johnny Hawk is still a really, really cool name. It's like mm-hmm. so, it's something out of an action movie. Yeah, I, 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 that, it's, totally it sounds fake. I'm not gonna it's, lie. It, it does sounds sound fake. fake. How is Hawk spelled? H a w k. Does he play? Will we yes. see Johnny Hawk this I'm, weekend? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, let me make sure. Stat like stats should tell you how many games he started, how many games he's played. Yeah, he like, is he a regular? I have the uh, things pulled up. No, he's only played in eight games. Ah, uh, so he's a midweek guy. Mm. And he started or a pinch three hitter, of them. or possibly a pinch runner. It, 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 it would it would be fitting right. for Johnny Hawk to be a pinch runner for the Alabama Crimson Tide. <laughs> just yeah. just the name sounds sounds like a pinch runner. So that's. That would be uh, that would be very intriguing. That'd be very yeah, intriguing. He's, uh, yeah, he's just a midweek pinch hitter kind of guy. Yeah. Well, Sting, I appreciate it, my man. Yeah, thanks. That for was me behind back. enemy baselines. Well, you 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 basically assaulted me. So <laughs> look, man. I mean, you have me doing all this research uh, for the show, and you don't right. even want me to use well, it. I'm gonna get a little bit upset about that. <laughs> news are breaking left and right, Sting. News is breaking yeah, left and right. I know. Yeah, can't help it. I appreciate it, my man. Yeah. That was excellent. Yeah. Another behind enemy baselines, the Alabama edition. Got a couple more minutes left in this segment here talking preseason ESPN FBI top 10. We talked about this briefly yesterday. Alabama coming in at number one, Oklahoma at two, Clemson at three, Iowa State four, five, Ohio State, six, Texas A&M, seven, Georgia, eight, Mississippi State, nine, Oklahoma State, and 10, Penn State. And yes, this is not a joke list. Iowa State is at four and Mississippi State is at eight. Before anybody uh, panics, like, oh my goodness, this is like some ranking, like it's a top 25 rankings or something that ESPN has put out. This is what they describe the FPI as, according to their website. The FPI is a predictive rating system designed to measure team strength and project performance going forward. The ultimate goal of the FPI is not to rank teams 1 through 28. Rather, it is to correctly predict games and season outcomes. If Vegas ever published the power rankings it uses to set its lines, they would likely look a lot like our FPI. So, and then they go on to explain. Wow, that, that sounds like high praise. That they would like if Vegas kind of, did kind of what we. There. Yeah. If if Vegas had their formulas public, it would look like ours. <laughs> they go on to talk about how the the FPI is not a playoff predictor, even though they do predict the percentage. Uh, how likely it is for a team to actually get into the playoff, which I believe Alabama's is at like 76 and Oklahoma's is at 73, which are both very a lot higher than I would expect. But you know, it, 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 Alabama's dominant, but still, whatever. 
Uh, but the fact that Iowa State, period, just statistically is even considered to be in the top five of this list at all just is is shocking to me. Like, it's just mind-boggling. You can't, uh, it, Here's my perspective. Last year, it, I was, have no words. it was kind of the same thing, right? Whenever we were going to this, he's like, oh, Ohio, Iowa State's going to be really good. You know, Brock Purdy's like this incredibly talented quarterback. He's back. And listen, listen to this. The first game of the season, as the game got underway, and I tweeted about this earlier, it was like, oh, th- there was some ESPN analysis uh, analyst that was like, oh, well, it's Brock Purdy's Heisman campaign that's beginning. He went 16 of 35 for 145 yards in one pick in a 14 to 31 loss to Louisiana. And I don't care how good that group of five team is you don't lose to group of five teams if you're a playoff contender they're not this year that that should be on a plaque somewhere you don't lose to group of five teams if you're a playoff contender boom we'll be back to wrap up the show on the other side of this break on the line on fox sports central alabama on 98.3 fm and espn 1067 Wrapping up the show here on On The Line. Coming up at 4, we'll have The Drive with Bill Cameron, 4 to 6, following us as they do every weekday here on On The Line and on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. That's how you can catch Bill and Dan taking your calls this afternoon on The Drive with Bill Cameron. Stay tuned for that for 4 to 6. Before we wrap up hour number 2 here of the show and wrap up the show all together, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. It's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. It's the middle of the week. Get past today and you're halfway through it. Wednesday night on Fox meets the Masked Singer at 7. It's the Group A Finals as another celebrity is unmasked this evening. Following the show at 8, it's Game of Talents. Some movie selections for tonight. Two middle-aged salesmen who recently lost their jobs are forced to compete against top collegiate prospects in an internship for a job at Google. The internship is on AMC at 7. Domino, Bedlam. Shatterstar, 1980s rock bands, or mutant fighters. It's Deadpool back to saving the day in unconventional ways with Deadpool 2 on at 6.30 on FX. Just because you get older doesn't mean you have to grow up. Grown Ups 2 is on Paramount at 6, and Old School follows it at 8. In live sports, the NBA schedule features two games on ESPN. First at 6 p.m., catch an Eastern Conference battle between the Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers. At 8.30 in the Western Conference, the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies close out the night. I'm Noah Gardner. That's what's on TV tonight. So Lance has uncovered some interesting statistics here just by general subtraction and simple arithmetic. According to ESPN's FPI preseason top 10 that came out yesterday, I saw it on Twitter from Cole Kublik. One Alabama, two Oklahoma, three Clemson, four Iowa State, five Ohio State, six Texas A&M, seven Georgia, eight Mississippi State, nine Oklahoma State, and ten Penn State. Which, once again, this is not the preseason rankings. This is not the preseason AP poll. This is not the preseason coaches poll. This is just some math formula that is bewildering. It's just a power index. Like, who who's hot right now? Who has the potential to be hot? And it's wrong because it has wrong. Mississippi State at eight, but still... Take me through here. What'd you see? Okay, so I decided to sort it by playoff percentage. And what that means is which teams are more the most likely to get to the playoff. And obviously Alabama's at one. Then there's Oklahoma at two at 73%. Then there's Clemson at 64. Ohio State at 45. And I asked you to guess over the what's on TV tonight. I asked you to guess what do you think Iowa State's percentage is to get to the playoff compared to Georgia's? I said like 17%, 25%, something like that. Iowa State has a 40.6% chance to get to the playoffs is that the fifth best team that is the fifth best team percentage wise to get to the playoff georgia 
is seventh at 17.2%. That's hilarious. You're telling me that Iowa State is 23% more likely to get to the playoff over Georgia? That's and hilarious. And A&M at actually at sixth, at sixth at 25.8%. I'm like, why is A&M over Georgia? They don't have a quarterback. They yeah. They don't have a quarterback. Also, on top of that, A&M plays in the same division as Alabama. Still, exactly. Yeah. It's like two SEC West teams are not making the college football playoff unless it's Auburn and Alabama. And we talked about it before we went to break. It's like, in what in your right mind, how can you look at this and say Iowa State is a better team on paper than Georgia? And I understand, like you just said, it was like, well, they play A&M plays in the same division as Alabama. You could also make the argument, it's like, well. Georgia plays in the same conference as Alabama. You think they're getting past them in the title game? It's like, yes, there's a legitimate chance for them to do that this season because Alabama le- loses so much. And I, I understand they, they reload. Well, the, 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 that, that, that doesn't have anything you to do You at least with, get the opportunity to play them right. for the spot in the playoffs. That has nothing to do with mathematics. If this is a potential rating, if this is what this is, then Georgia has way more potential to make the playoff than Iowa State in my mind. Just like you, don't, you can't get past Oklahoma twice. You don't do that unless you're Kansas State. You don't get past Oklahoma twice. Now that they bring back a quarterback with experience and so much on that defense and they bring back skill position players and then they add guys like the Tennessee running backs that are coming to play for them. You don't beat Oklahoma twice. You're not getting past I don't know Oklahoma if anybody's going 12. to beat Oklahoma I don't this know year if, on their schedule. Yeah, I don't think anybody is in the regular season. There's no in your there's no way that I could, could possibly conceive how Iowa State is a better team than Georgia preseason and postseason. It makes no sense to me. Also don't know how anybody could conceive that Texas A&M is better than Georgia because again they don't have a quarterback they don't have an offensive line and and I understand it's like well it's Jimbo Fisher and they've still got like they've got incredible receivers they bring back their top four guys that caught a pass last season but they don't have anybody to throw it to him is Haynes Haynes King that guy we don't know you're breaking in a freshman quarterback your chances to make the, the the college football playoff and win it unless you're Trevor Lawrence are unlikely it's like you don't see that it's once in a blue moon for for them to be over Georgia who brings back experience who has a good defense a better defense in my opinion and to bring back a quarterback a running back and receivers and I know George Pickens got hurt I understand that but still the talent level it, 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 there's a huge gap between and Georgia recruiting period and recruiting just period drop, as well period Georgia A&M Iowa State and the fact that Ohio State is only five percent more likely to reach the playoff than Iowa State is like what what somebody's got to win the Big Ten yeah yeah who else in the Big Ten's vying for it? it's not Wisconsin it's not Northwestern it's it's not Michigan State, even though I really like Anthony Russo and I want them to do well. It's not Penn State, who actually I believe they're like what ninth or tenth on this FBI list. Penn yeah. State is tenth. That's right. So it's it's mind boggling to me. Which man. also seems a little high for the for the Big Ten. I think there's other teams at the moment going into the year that might be more likely candidates than Penn State, but maybe just the Penn State name and historical records also think bake into the FPI as well which doesn't make sense for teams like Mississippi State and Iowa State but nonetheless I think it does affect it just a little bit side note here Auburn plays five of the top ten and, and that's what I'm that's what that's I'm talk- uh that's that's pretty commonplace though yeah. I feel like for any Auburn season <laughs> this 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 schedule and we say it every single year you know Auburn know fans are probably thinking at the moment just five just five what uh, this is an easy year yeah <laughs> Um, but I, I know it's very cliche to say, but Auburn's schedule is brutal this year. It's just another year in the SEC West, and y'all, you just got to be able to tough it out. I don't and know. If you this schedule top, I like more than most years. It, it, it has softened up over the past couple of years. I mean, on paper, it looked like playing at Georgia earlier in the season, last season, was a good thing. And I think a lot of fans would agree with that before they, we actually got to play. Looking at it now, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to play Georgia and Athens 
three games into the season. I don't think it's a good thing. I don't think it's a good thing now. I think a lot of people in the the fan base were saying that before it happened last season. But it doesn't change the fact that you're still playing an SEC slate and you're playing in the SEC West and it is still tough as nails to get through it. Crazy, crazy stuff on that ESPN FBI top 10, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun season. Am I missing something with Mississippi State real quick? Like, is is there something that I'm just like, is there glaring things? So I believe they bring back the most players that were on all SEC teams, period. I'm talking about first, second, and third teams. I believe they bring back, I believe they bring back. So they're good players are coming back. The most freshman production, they bring back the most out of of anybody in the SEC. But again, they have issues at the quarterback spot. It's like, is Will Rogers the guy? And we've seen Mike Leach be be willing to, to, to plug and play with his quarterbacks is like there's not going to be a guy that's necessarily established did the other he, question is did they get better everywhere else right. like talking about this mississippi state team like okay those players were on their roster last year what did mississippi state do last year they went like what four four and seven exactly so like they, they weren't that great anyway no without those guys or the, with those guys so have they good. have they added it in all the other places that they're that they were weak at i still see the, this team struggling to get above six and six and see that's the thing is looking looking at the fpi they have a 96 percent chance to get to six wins i would be willing to bet a lot of money hold on about oh, hold on <laughs> that, not, that they, not necessarily <laughs> well, that, that they get to six wins i would be willing to bet money that that is a lot more difficult than what the fpi says it is mind-boggling that does it for another edition of On the Line. Bold take there to end the show. I love it. But that does it for another edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. Follow us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We'll be back tomorrow. You know where to find us.